my name is Michelle Hedges. I am a medium, a visionary for Philip, and an energy specialist. And today I have with me my husband, Mark. Hi guys! He is the bringer of truth in this dynamic duo. Yes, um, bringer of truth sounds awful dramatic. <laughs> Basically, to give a good example of what I do, uh, I listen to what people say and I pull out the things that they're not aware that they're saying. And and I just say, hey, you know, since we've been talking for this hour, you said five times that you thought you were stupid. And I don't really think you believe that, but because you're saying that, you have some things stuck in your uh, energy field, um, in your mind. You have a neural network of believing you're stupid, and we need to, we need to show you how to remove that. And that's kind of what we're actually going to be talking about tonight. Yeah. We are, uh, if you saw the previous video I did on the healing channels, this is an expansion on that. Some of our personal experiences with these channels. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, uh, <clears throat> you want me to start with some examples, or you want to start with your examples? You want to do one, I'll do one. You do one, I'll do one. Hey, we're in the flow, so you just go. Oh, I'm going to go. Okay. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Well, let's see. Well, I really like the one with the creepy guy who kept coming into the store. Mark works at... You mean with the sunglasses? Mark works at a major grocery store. Well, major. Whole Foods. It's major enough. There's 550 stores. That's pretty big. No, that is pretty uh, big. Across the country and the world, different places. But And I love the story. Well, uh, now, at this point... At this point, I don't think we understood the channels yet. You know what? We were using the early technology of the nine steps. Yeah, well, now, the nine steps, well, they were channels. We, that's, that's kind of how... It, it was a channel. It was just a big It one. was a channel. And yeah. what we mean by that is, is a path of breathing exercises that, uh, that you put things through in your life and it heals them moves them out of the way right. that kind of stuff and as these channels came on i was told oh this is going to get so much better but this is what you have right now which was better than anything that had ever existed because i've tried just so many things i'm not going to say i tried everything because i don't know everything nobody has that many <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> but it but the new this was it took nine steps to do one tiny brief uh, belief, but it worked. Right, it worked. And to a certain point, but then there will be more la layers. Well, and there's always more layers. But, let me tell you, so, let me start with a couple of things, and then we'll pass it back to her, and we'll, then we'll get on with some examples, since we promised that. Uh, has anybody heard this? I'll see it. Uh, I'll believe, I believe it. it when I see it. Right? We all, we, you know, it's like, show me, then I'll believe you. Right? Uh, if you didn't take pictures, then it didn't happen. You know, that kind of stuff, right? Well, <clears throat> changing your outside world really starts, it's an inside job. And I do mean that, and I mean it literally. Uh, when you go inside and you start removing strong beliefs that you have about yourself, uh, it immediately, and, I, and it does immediately change uh, your world and in the outside world, the world that you exist in every day. 
And, you know, I was thinking about why that happens. We all have to be based, we're all based on energy. You've heard her talk about that. You've heard us talk about that. Uh, well, maybe not us yet. This is the first time. But, uh, well, we've talked about it in our other podcasts. In our, in our other lives, yeah. And um, in our other podcasts. And uh, it's funny. You may wonder why a person reacts to you a certain way, uh, especially when it comes to a negative way. Then you're like, man, why do they do that to me? You're right. Well, you I, you can be sure that they don't know why they do that either. Uh, they may come up with an idea, well, I just don't like you. But that's not a reason. <laughs> I mean, I get that you just don't like me. That's fine because the way you treat me shows me you don't like me. But they don't really know why they're reacting that way to you. And you don't know why they're reacting that way to you. Well, really what it is is you have a set of beliefs that... Uh, resonates because really we're talking about a vibration here. You're putting out a vibe that resonates with them that they don't like and they're just reacting. They don't know why, they're just reacting. Because if you had to pin them down on it, believe me, they would be much more lost about it than you. Mainly because you're going, why did they do that to me? You know what I mean? You're already trying to be aware of things that are in you that are causing other people to react in a negative way. And so, uh, that leads, and I've been thinking about this a lot over the past, past few weeks, and the first example that I'll give is a prime example of what we're talking about. Uh, sometimes you have mountains, mountain ranges, actually, of beliefs, of like, and all the mountains are related, and some other mountain chain has other related mountains and all this kind of stuff. And when you take down one of the peaks, all the rest of the mountain chain falls apart too. You know, it's it's like an ecosystem of beliefs. That's a good way to put it. Because when you when you damage one part of that ecosystem, the rest of the ecosystem is damaged too. And so if you remove one, you can remove the rest of it. Uh, there's a weird little, um, uh, I call it a triad because I don't really know of a better term, but uh, <clears throat> threesome. There we go. You have to be careful with that. <laughs> yeah, well, threesome, because they all feed off each other. There's belief, there's behavior, and there is, what was the other one? Uh, the word we use for neural network. Belief, behavior, and... Contract? No, it started with a B. But anyway, contract is good enough right now. So, <clears throat> uh, you have this idea about yourself. You have this belief about yourself. I'm stupid, Right? Well, because you have this belief about yourself, some of your behaviors are don't come across as uh, very intelligent or responsible or something like that. And so you have a belief and a behavior that you're stupid. You believe that you're stupid, so in some cases you act stupid or what you think is stupid. <clears throat> then you have this contract, which is like the superstructure or the uh, the infrastructure, there you go, that the belief and the behavior hang on. And uh, <clears throat> this structure, this contract, is something that at some point you chose to believe whether you wanted to believe it or not. And so you have a belief that you're stupid. You know you're not stupid, but you believe that you are. So you you believe that way and you behave that way at times. So when you get rid of the contract, or you get rid of the belief, or you get rid of the behavior, 
it makes it easy to get rid of the others. And truthfully, you have to get rid of all the others. You just can't. Can you say this again, uh-huh. but using computer words? Computer so words. Belief is software. Uh, belief is software. Contract, contract is a, a contract system. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, a behavior is an application. It's the result of, uh, well, the output, like a print, like a like if you print a document, uh, that that would be the behavior because it's seen in the outside world. And if you have a particular uh, application, uh, like on your phone, uh, if you have a particular application, that would be the belief. And uh, the contract makes both of those work together. The, the contract is like the computer that holds the belief and lets the belief work, and then the uh, behavior is the result of the contract and the belief. And the behavior is like the uh, what you see outside of the computer, like if you printed something out, or if you or a file, you know what I mean. And so, uh, if you uh, if you get rid of the contract and the belief, the behavior goes away too. Mm-hmm. I mean, for instance, if you don't have an app in there to print out a PDF in your phone or on your computer, you don't get a PDF. You just not, you know. And if you don't have a computer to hold the behavior, you know, the app. Uh, then the contract and the behavior, you don't, or the contract and the belief, you don't get the PDF. And the reason I asked him to relay it to, as to computers is because we are a biological computer and we can be programmed and we have an operating system which is the unconscious subconscious mind. Mm-hmm. And so to break all of that up, you have to get rid of the beliefs and and the uh, the operator, I, I got lost. Yeah, well, you have to get rid of the beliefs, and you have to get rid of the contracts, contract, the operating system. And um, uh, because by getting rid of those, then the behavior goes away. And, and so a perfect example of that. You want me to give that example now? Yes. Okay. So, <clears throat> uh Last year sometime, it was probably in the summer, so it was probably about a year ago now, maybe a little bit more, at the store I'm working at, the Whole Foods store I'm working at here in town, uh, there was a guest, came in twice a day, uh, wore sunglasses every time he came in. Now, for most people, they don't give a crap about that. Big deal, he's wearing sunglasses. But me, I had a very strong belief that people who wore sunglasses in a building were uh, afraid of life, hiding something, uh, and suspect. And it was a very strong belief, so much so that I would behave in ways that showed that I had that belief. Now, I wouldn't say anything, but it, but just my physical behaviors showed that I had contempt for people who wore sunglasses inside a building. And, uh, and I knew that was a problem. But what was interesting is this guy really irritated, really caused that belief of mine to resonate. I never to- never talked to this guy. He never talked to me. He just came through the store. Then it got to the point to where he and I started physically interacting in the sense of getting each other's way. Uh, and I'm like, why am I doing this? I question myself, why am I doing this? You know? And 
and I couldn't feel, and I didn't quite realize then that the belief was causing the behaviors. And you know, like the Freudian slip type thing. You know, people will say something when they mean something else, but then all of a sudden that brings up the fact that there might be a relationship uh, or some kind of dysfunction going on that they need to work on uh, because they made a slip, a verbal slip. You know, you've heard that. But so this guy finally, it got to the point to where he physically ran into me one day, and uh, I walked up to him. And uh, I told him, I said, don't ever run into me again. And he pulled up his sunglasses, never ever done that before, got in my face, and he said, if you ever run into me again, you're going to have more than just a problem of uh, me running into you. I said, I don't care what you have to say. Put your sunglasses back down and get out of here. That's what I told him. And so it had come to this point, and I'm like, man, why did it come to this point? Why? Well, the one thing that I've learned over the past 11 and a half years is that when there's a problem in my outer world, it's actually because there's a problem in my inner world and I have to fix that before it disappears in my outer world. All right. So I, I went home and I told Michelle uh, about it and she's like, yeah, you're going to have to fix that. You're going to have to, whatever you got to do uh, to fix it, you're going to have, well, and she was right, and I knew it. <clears throat> so I sat down, and I have a recline. We have three recliners in the house because we're just comfy people. <laughs> and uh, uh, she's got one back here in her studio. We got two up front, and uh, one's for the cats. Uh, <laughs> but uh, unless one takes one each, yeah, I know sometimes they do that, and I have to go sit somewhere else. But uh, <laughs> so I was sitting in one of the recliners up front. I sat down, and I go, okay, you know. This is a real problem. Why do I need to believe this way? And so I had to work through uh, the belief that people who uh, wore sunglasses inside buildings uh, were less than competent people, uh, were uh, obviously mentally ill people. I was very judgmental about it. And <clears throat> so that... Uh, I had to forgive myself for being judgmental about people who wore sunglasses in buildings. And that it sounds stupid. Silly. It sounds absolutely ridiculous. And you know what it is. But we have absolutely ridiculous beliefs that yeah. we pick up from growing up, other people in the world, whatever. And because we do, we carry those beliefs around and we act on those beliefs. I mean, it's you know, a lot of people think that the only beliefs you have are uh, in religion or politics. That's BS. That is a tiny, tiny subset of beliefs. The biggest, most damaging beliefs you have are usually beliefs you have about yourself. It really is. And because, and for instance, uh, now, that was the that was a good prime example of what we're talking about here. So I finally got rid of that belief. Here's what the result was. <clears throat> the result was absolutely fascinating. The next day, and see, he came in twice a day. So he came in in the morning and he came in the afternoon. Now, I didn't see him in the morning because I worked in the evening, so I saw him at night. <clears throat> so the next day, he came in. And uh, I saw him in the afternoon. We didn't encounter each other. I saw him from a distance across the store, and he saw me, and I knew he did. And <clears throat> so uh, it was funny. I got all nervous on the inside because I thought, well, man, I worked on this and it didn't work. 
I'm going to have to find the thing that is the problem. Well, <clears throat> so while I was standing there, I was in the produce department. While I was standing there, I decided, you know what? I forgive myself for being scared of threatening people. I know you were using that forgiveness river at mm -hmm. that point. Yeah, that was, and me, I tend to use internal rituals because rituals are cathartic. <clears throat> and uh, they help, they can help you heal. Uh, and so for me, what I was doing was I was putting things, pain of things that I needed to forgive myself for into, I was, I would visualize a big flower and I put it in the, put all that stuff in the flower. And then uh, I would take, after I got, after I was felt comfortable enough that all the pain of the problem was in there, then I would close it up. I would walk it over to this in, uh, visualized river and I would put it in the river and I'd let it float downstream. And <clears throat> then I went on about my business. That ritual works for me 100% of the time. Well, 100% of the time when I found the thing that needs to be removed, you know, forgiven, uh, let go of, whatever. Sounds a lot like the gratitude, joy, love reactor. Well, and now we use that channel in place of that longer ritual, and it only takes a breath or two to get that stuff out, and they really work. But the result finally was, again, he showed up that next day. Again, I got scared. I thought, well, let me, you know. So I uh, I forgave myself for fe feeling scared of uh, intimidating people, you know. And <clears throat> then the next day when I went into work, fully expected to see him. He wasn't there. <clears throat> but not only that, he has never been back in that store that I had. And that seen. was a year ago, maybe? Yeah. He, I have never, and I remember, and I remember talking to a couple of managers about it. I'm like, hey, you guys seen it? No, we have not seen that guy in here. I say, you sure? No, I haven't seen him at all. And they worked in the mornings. Well, see, for the past six months, well, for six of the past eight months, I worked in the morning nine to five. If he had come in, I would have seen him. Nope, didn't see him. Uh, now I work back in on the night shift, still don't see him. He has been gone from that store, and I say he, but you know, really what it was is my vibe, what I was putting out was attracting people like that. It was resonating with them, <clears throat> and so I would encounter that, and then I go, okay, you know what, I've got to get rid of this, this, this low vibe, low frequency that I'm putting out and attracting uh, so that I can get past this. So when I did let go of it, when I forgave myself for being that judgmental, <clears throat> When I put away the put away all the pain and that kind of stuff and let it go, so did the person with that same frequency. If I don't have the frequency anymore, it's not attracting people with that like frequency. So that was an extreme example of external change. Yes, and it, again, instantaneous. Mm -hmm. I mean, you might say, well, it was a day or so. You know what? Sure. But considering that he'd been coming in there for months and months and months, twice a day, and then within a day and a half to two days, he's gone and never come back. Because it always takes a little mm -hmm. bit to process. It does. Uh, uh, movement takes a few days. You know, uh, that was a term coined by Louise Hay. She may not have used it originally, but that's where we learned it from. Uh, she would always talk about when you let, when you try to make changes in your life, and you let go, and you're trying to let go of something then you'll see uh, things change in your life, like relationships, um, 
mainly that. But uh, uh, she said, "You'll see the you'll see changes starting to take place." And then they uh, at at some point uh, everything clears out, and you have the new state that you wanted all that time. And <clears throat> some people, let me give you this quick definition too. Some people think that spirituality is all about yoga, and it's all about uh, incense, and it's all about meditation and this kind of stuff. All of those things are just external forms of what spirituality really is. You know, let me tell you what spirituality really is. It's communicating with your spirit. It's your spirit that you're talking to. It's your soul. It's connecting with your soul. What's the point of connecting with somebody else's soul unless you're trying to help that soul? I mean, mainly, in fact, if you take care of your soul, it takes care of all the other souls around you too. Because you, you clear up your life and your vibe becomes so intense and so high that people can't help but be affected by it. So, anyway, that's the quick definition. I like that definition. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, we are here to help you reconnect with your soul. That's Mark, the whole goal. Mark, have you reconnected with your soul? Yes, and the reason I say that is because how do you know you've connected with something? Because you get information from it, right? And the reason I know that I've connected with mine more. Now, let's go back uh, 10 years ago. That would be 2011, uh, about the middle of 2011. Uh, I was still so autistic then, and what I mean by that, autism isn't one big, okay, what I mean by <laughs> okay, there we What I mean by that, <laughs> autistic isn't one big monolithic disorder or disease or whatever else. It's a collection of a few symptoms. <clears throat> and one of the main ones is heavy metal, uh, the per heavy metal poisoning. And uh, I had quite a few. And so uh, I only found out I had autism about nine years ago now. And I got diagnosed when I was 43. Now I'm 53. Or 52. <clears throat> and uh, so one of the things I did to heal from autism was detox from heavy metals. And detoxing from heavy metals made the biggest change, I think, uh, in my communication. Uh, I had alexithymia. I wasn't officially diagnosed with it, but I know I had it because after taking a, a, a test for it, it showed that I was I was 100%. And if you wonder about that, we have a test, um, a link to the test on our website. Yeah, there's, on our there's, your there's an Alexithymia Association or something, and they, mm -hmm. they have, it's like 50 or 60 questions, and you answer them, and, and, and it gives free. you a score. Yeah, but uh, <clears throat> Alexithymia, for those of you who don't know, is the inability to recognize your own emotions and, and label them uh, and tell yourself what they are. I mean, I think everybody knows what anger is, but, uh, and I did when I was autistic and alexithymic, but what I didn't know was really what happiness felt like. I really didn't. I didn't know what pride felt like, because she still remembers when I cut the grass in Oklahoma City and I was looking out the back window, she goes, are you feeling pride over the lawn you cut? This is after he had healed a little bit. Yeah, after about two years or so. Yeah. And I said, yeah, it looks really good. I did a good job. She goes, wow. You know. And so, uh, yeah, yeah, I'd never felt pride before. Never actually felt it, you know. Uh, and 
because most of my emotions just weren't on. Uh, uh, I should say they were, but I couldn't, my brain couldn't recognize them, you know. And so uh, the whole point is detoxing from the heavy metals. I had always wanted a connection with my intuition. Why? I know, you know, a hunch, whatever you want to call it, because I knew that that could give me answers that I couldn't get anywhere else. And over time, you'll hear more of my story and why I wanted a connection with my intuition, because I was just blindly swinging in the dark, trying to beat up the 50 leprechauns that had attacked me, and I didn't know how to, and I was not winning, you know. And so what I was trying to do was shed more light in that dark room that I lived in with the autism and the lexithymia so that I could see the leprechauns and beat the crap out of them even if it was one by one. So, you know, where the leprechauns come from, don't worry about it. It's just, you know, it's kind of an analogy. Shaking in the camera. Oh, sorry. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, but I wanted such a clear connection with my soul because I wanted a better light on my path a better light shining on my path than I had so far. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had already gone, let's see, 2010, I had already gone 30, yeah, 40 years, a little over 40 years not having a strong connection. Now I do. And and people call into it, I remember people calling intuition that little small voice. I'm like, little small voice? I got 90 loud voices screaming <laughs> in my head. You know, because with ADD, well, with ADHD and autism and lexithymia, my brain just was not quiet at all. And so <clears throat> clearing all that up, all the symptoms of autism and lexithymia and, and that and ADD, uh, I was actually able to hear, it's only in this past year, really, that, that I, I was able to access that little small voice consistently and hear it. And, and so in my 52nd year, after working on after this, after lots of work, after working on this for more than ten years, uh, <clears throat> I can actually hear that little small voice. And you know that little small voice is so important that it's actually enshrined in popular culture. And I'll tell you, if you've ever watched the old Magnum PI from the early 1980s, he constantly talks about that little small voice, the intuition that he uses uh, to solve cases. Think about how important that people must think that little small voice is for it to be in a TV show. Right? And so I remember hearing that for the first time on that show. I'm like, what is he talking about? Now I know. That little quiet voice gives you dead-on information all the time. And if you can access it all the time, you're, you're definitely going to be living a better life than you are now. Than all the blind swinging you've been doing. So... <clears throat> You know, that's why I wanted a connection with my inner self. Has all the work been worth it? Oh, yeah, definitely. And uh, Why? Well, first of all, uh, when I was autistic, I didn't have any friends except her. But she was the default friend. She took care of me, and she did really well for 19 years. And she even had to forget herself to take care of me. And so... uh, what made healing from autism worth it for me and clearing up all the other stuff, because, again, it wasn't just autism, because I was clearing out traumas that were caused by the autism, traumas that weren't caused by the autism, beliefs be, that were caused by the autism. And then all the genetics that you were born mm-hmm. into. Right, exactly. And so I had, we've spent, let's see, 
me since January of 2010. So it's been 11 and a half years for me. Her since July 8th of 2008. So it's been 13 years for her. A little over. We've been working that long, usually every day. And not with the tools that are currently available. No. no. <laughs> In fact, the, the, the one tool... Her first tool was writing affirmations. And I know most people most people know what that is. You sit there and you write a positive statement that you want to be true about yourself. And you keep writing it and you're writing it and writing it. She wrote well over 1,000... No, it had to be far more than 1,000 pages. Because those little... You remember when we were in school, when you get 100 pages, it'd only be a little less than an inch thick. So if you wrote 10 of those, <laughs> it would be like that. She wrote a stack that was almost two feet high of paper. It was a stack of paper, and she wrote affirmations front and back on those pages. And the other few weeks back, she's like, man, I wonder if that ever did anything for me, you know. But well, then, it did, or I wouldn't have kept doing it, but it was minor. But it was enough that I didn't, you know, it was enough relief from pain. Well, that she, would get, she would get a, like a sore throat. She'd sit down and write affirmations. The sore throat would go away. Then she okay, well, I'm starting to see some improvement here. I was actually moving energy and didn't know it. Yes, exactly. Because that's really all it is. I mean, uh, you're made up of atoms. You guys know that. We're made up of molecules, whatever. It's all held together by energy. All of it. So that's, uh, you know, that's... that's why I it's think been... it's electrical energy. Well, electricity is just a form of energy. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, well, I see chakras. what you're saying. Is an well, electrical system. Right, right, you're right. But has it been worth it? Definitely. Because after clearing all that out, I actually developed a relationship with her that I never had. Because those 19 years of her just taking me, taking care of me, she was just being a nurse. And uh, now, sure, I could, I wasn't completely invalid or a vegetable or anything. You know, I worked for most of that time. And uh, as did she, but uh, she had to take care of my social issues. She had, which was a lot. And what I mean by take care was tell me how to handle them. And I even went to his. There jobs. was a few times. There were very few times when she did have to handle them for me, you know. And but now, I handle my own, and there's no question about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, because when I feel like somebody has stepped on my toes, they know it. My personality changed <laughs> over a period of a few months in 2015, and she still remembers that. And so do all the people I work with at the old Whole Foods in o- Oklahoma. Uh, I went from being quiet and kind of unassuming and fearful and everything else, but from it had to have been from April to October is when that change occurred in 2015. By October, <clears throat> by October, I was a bear. People, if they now, I was a bear, not necessarily for good reasons, which I it took years to figure out, but I did. Well, there were lots of neural networks that were autistic, that were extremely judgmental because that was the only way you could live in the world. Right. By well, rules. And so now, true though, but some of those those neural networks I picked up from being raised by people who were that way as well. You know, teachers, parents, friends, whatever. Uh, you know, relatives, what have you, bosses. And so, uh, but by October 2015, uh, I would just say something. 
and people would just and they've ne they've never done that before and I was like what am I doing I don't understand what I'm doing what is it in my voice that's spooking people and <clears throat> it made things worse for us for a while and then we figured it out but uh, is it has it been worth it most definitely because uh, I could have friends outside of work if I wanted to at work there's probably people that I could go hang out with at work and that wouldn't be a problem just COVID. Yeah, but but just, you know, that's it. And But then I want to hang out with her mostly now. So who cares if I have friends outside of where I This is the only friend I really care about, you know. So, yeah, uh, but has it been worth it? Absolutely. Has it been worth it for you? My own journey? Oh, absolutely. Oh, I hated where I was. Okay. But, you know, I almost feel like I have, have a memory of where I was before I came back here. <laughs> What do you mean? Uh, like I remember being free in other dimensions. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. So are you saying you don't remember being this free when you were younger? No, yeah, I wasn't free when I was younger. Neither was I. <laughs> no, you have parents who tell you what to do. Right. Well, and being this free means you've gotten rid of all these constricting beliefs of how you shouldn't behave or how you should behave. Or what you shouldn't say to someone, or what you should say to someone, or you shouldn't defend yourself when people, you know, uh, uh, unload on you. You know, all these things that I are, mean, that just are today I was working on. I chose to believe that I had to keep. It wasn't safe. I chose to believe it wasn't safe to take the brakes off of my personality. Mm -hmm. Because when she was younger, <laughs> as a teenager, she was known as a uh, as a little whirlwind, a tornado. You know, and and all nothing but a ball of energy and and uh, very social and and that kind of stuff. And as she got older, that all disappeared. When she married me, that well, definitely I was told many times that I shouldn't be that way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so you, when you hear that so many times, you pick up real quick. Oh, I shouldn't be that way. Oh, I I chose I choose to believe I shouldn't be that way. That's what happens. You go from hearing you shouldn't be that way to you choosing to believe you shouldn't be that way. Right. And that's a big shift if you listen to that really closely. Because you, it becomes personal then. Yeah. Just because somebody else is telling you you shouldn't be that way doesn't mean it matters. Yeah. It really doesn't. But when you, you hear that enough. On. Yeah, and as a kid, you don't know any better. So you take that on. You take it personally. Oh, I choose to believe I shouldn't be that way so that I can fit in. And it's really important to really... That that front end of that statement, I chose to believe, or I choose, I chose to believe, and then put it in the present tense. Yeah, because you at some point you did. Even if you were a kid, at some point you go, you know what? I'm going to be this way so that I don't get grief from other people. Yeah, man, I know I did that. Mm -hmm. You know, people told me you shouldn't spout off what you know. Why not? Well, other people don't like it. Who cares? But you took it in. I took it in. But see, as a kid, you don't know. In fact, the main goal of this life, to be honest, is to get rid of all the old baggage that we were born with, that we were raised with, and that we uh, got dumped on us <clears throat> by life, by people, by whatever. It's no one's fault. It's just how life is. You were born to be messed up and to dig out of it. And if you can dig out of it, that is winning in life. You said... You were born to be messed up. You are already messed up before you're born. Well, yeah. I mean, 
And the reason we say that, here's something very interesting that almost no one listening will know. Fear does get inherited in your genes. And I mean that, literally. How do I know? Because science, uh, research, scientific researchers have been looking at how fear changes genes in mice. And they found out that the offspring in mice have changed genes that encoded the fear from their parents. Now, if that happens in such small mammals, again, they're complex mammals, and they're, no, they're not humans. You can be pretty sure it happens in humans as well. Now, if you want to deny it, you go right ahead because you're the one who's going to reap the consequences of denial, right? Uh, but so far, that has it seems to be true. And uh, so, think about that. If you're inheriting fear or from, if you're inheriting fear from your parents, what else are you inheriting behavior-wise or emotion-wise from your parents? You don't know, do you? Yeah, I didn't. It was it was amazing to find out that I. It, more than likely inherited a lot of fear from my parents in my own genes. So I had a lot of work to do, as did yeah. she, as does everybody. But it's she and I realized last year that we were starting to come down, come to the light at the end of the tunnel. There's always going to be work to do. But Louise Hay put it best. She said, when you start out, it's nothing but big, huge mountains. Then you get smaller hills, then you get boulders, then you get rocks that you can't quite pick up, then you get pebbles. That really is seeming to how, how it is. You, you, you clear out all the big stuff, and after some years of doing this, and again, it's been 11 and a half for me and 13 for her, uh, <clears throat> that's, not even, that's barely a fifth of my life, and a little more than that for hers, you know, but... It took us much longer than that to get messed up. So, 11 and a half years, 13 years, that's nothing. Well, and if you go with the knowledge of even when you pass over mm -hmm. into when you die in this incarnation, you carry all of your baggage with you to the other side. So, I mean, this is all stuff that I have learned. This is stuff not just learned, but she's experienced this because... People that we've known who have died, they'll come to her right after they die. And she goes, in particular, a cousin. She'll go, Michelle's like, she's exactly the same as she was in life. She's exactly the same. She's happier. But aside from that, it's the exact same personality. You're still bound by your belief structures in your, your operating system, you still have it. What's interesting, though, is that means that belief structures aren't physical. Right. They're energetic. Yes. So when you move that energy out, you obviously change the energy in your outside world. The huge message is we aren't here to ascend into love. We are here to ascend into freedom. That puts you in an, into the place of love, but... It, looking for love and trying to achieve love is not going to get you there. No, it's really not. And I know, and see, and that's what a lot of the New Age spirituality is about. Yeah. And I get it. But almost no one has experienced love to be able to recreate that for someone else. The only way to get there is to get rid of your operating system. Yeah, it really is. I'm happier now than I've ever been in my life. 
I remember, you know, it's funny. I remember before I was 18, I thought, I thought that, oh, that, that was the happiest time in my life before I was 18. It wasn't. When I go back and look at it, I was constantly scared of bullies. I was constantly scared of my parents. I was scared of people I didn't know. I was scared of people I didn't know, that I did know. You know, and so because the autism made me that way. And uh, <clears throat> so all of that, uh, all of that made my years before I was 18 much worse uh, than, uh, than I remembered it. But see, now I've gotten rid of all of those beliefs and all of those traumas. I say all, the vast majority of them. It's got to be 90% or more by now. And so what I have left are just crumbs, little pebbles. So we're cleaning those up. So if you're just starting, the good news is you're not going to have to work as hard as we have or as long as we have because we've got a new energetic body. Mm -hmm. We have a new electrical structure that is allowing for healing in a new way that's far superior to anything we've mentioned here. And Mark, I would really like for you to speak to your experience with these new channels. Okay. Well, some of the tools that we had to use before, in fact, other than affirmations, and I was going to talk about this earlier, other than the affirmations, the second biggest tool that we learned was uh, yeah. the emotional freedom technique. Most people know it as tapping. A uh, guy named Nick Ortner, uh, he wrote a book about it and, and that kind of stuff. That was a greatly helpful tool. It was. Uh, because, uh, and for those of you who don't know what tapping or EFT is or anything else, you tap on on acupressure points. Uh, in this case, crown of your head, uh, between your eyes, uh, your temple, uh, where was the other one? Yeah, under the nose, the chin, uh, collarbones, uh, under the arms, and then... I think that was it. Yeah. On the ch chest, and that was it. But, uh, <clears throat> and that helps move energy around in you. Now, uh, that's what acupressure does. That's what acupuncture puncture does. That was the word I was looking for. Yeah. Acupuncture and that kind of stuff. That's what they do. And people uh, get relief from whatever's bothering them by that. EFT just uses that without the needles or without the pressure or whatever else, you know, unless you think tapping is pressure. Okay, in a way it is. But uh, those we use tools like that. Then we use ritualized forgiveness. I use that. She used that. We used a process of reframing where we would take something that was negative to us and reframe it in a positive light. Uh, we also use healing the inner child. We imagine ourselves as little kids who were scared and, and uh, lonely and uh, just needed love. That didn't work so well for me because that required a lot of emotion that I, at that point, I was still autistic and still uh, and autistic enough so that uh, I, that didn't work for me. Uh, forgiveness worked for me pretty well. And EFT but you had already healed a bit. I had. And, and EFT worked somewhat well, you know, because I just couldn't feel physically or emotionally feel the changes. I could see them if in my outer world things had changed but at that point not much had changed because it was still a swamp of stuff that I was clearing out same with her and so we used and there's other tools we've used too I could go on and on but uh, but the tools that we've come to now that she's gotten from her entity Philip uh, breathing through these channels uh, make things so quickly that in just a few breaths you can move out 
old belief structures, you can move out old emotions without having to tap it out, without having to ritualize it out, whatever. And sure, you think, well, that doesn't sound like it's all that much faster. Yeah, it is. Well, the, what really was how, how quick... Okay, I'm thinking too many things at once. Nice, slow down. When these channels first started coming on, we had to do one belief at a time. Yes. As these channels have <clears throat> developed and become what Stronger. they were ultimately going to be, which I think they are now, um, we could put 70 beliefs into one breath. You could just you could just collect them all in your mind and, and intend for all of those beliefs to be in one little ball, so to speak, and then push them through the healing channel that we call that it. That was like huge. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, listening to our intuition tell us, well, you know, don't do that with these particular beliefs, but do that with other beliefs. You have to listen to yourself. Right. I mean, no matter what. You're, uh, and finally, I had the answer to my question. That I've been asking for years. How often do you listen to your intuition? Do you just go and do your own thing and then periodically ask your intuition uh, for guidance when you need it? Or do you always listen to your intuition and uh, do and just wait for it on tenor hooks, waiting for it to answer your question? Uh, it's a it's a balance because sometimes you'll know you need answers pretty quickly. Other times, you know, you can wait on answers. So, you just have to judge the time. Yeah, but also the thing that's happened is there's an, a new channel that exists called the, it's got a long name, but I've been calling it the partner channel where your entity, your soul, lives in that channel with you. So, you have <clears throat> not only is has it changed, okay, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but it didn't exist before. The partner so channel didn't the exist. The partner anymore. channel didn't exist. It exists now. So so once you get to the point that your receptors are clean, that you can get in contact, that you've linked up, there's this new channel mm-hmm. where you are with them all the time. It's pretty exciting. Well, and see, and that allows for... exist before. Well, and see... She uh, she didn't have an instantaneous link to her community, to her intuition um, for a long time until this happened. Well, this has <laughs> happened in the last year. Right. And so uh, now all she has to do is, is stop for a few seconds or a second and wait, and she gets an answer. Well, there's no better answer than that. There's no, no better there's no, relationship yeah. than that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she uses the term entity uh, because I've asked her to explain this to me. Uh, out of frustration on my part, but uh, the entity really is just you. But it's easier to have a name for it uh, and say, well, and you know, and, and it's funny, the entity feels like a, a slightly different personality than you. It is the whole of every life it's ever lived, and you are a fraction of, of that person, but you are, you are so important to that entity. I don't know if that's... Yeah, well, we can explain it more as time goes on. I mean, uh, it, she hasn't put everything into words yeah, that she I wants don't... to yet. Yeah. And, again, talking to her entity is not in words, really. No. It's just in, in complete informational packets. 
You know, that's a good way to put how intuition works. It is very much a quantum uh, level effect. <laughs> and I, I have to say, sitting right here next to Mark, in his huge aura, <laughs> messes with my energy and it's making it difficult for me to speak. <clears throat> well, see... So I've got to figure out how to make that work. We can just sit farther apart. Or I can sit further back here <laughs> and we can still be in the camera. But, uh, but anyway, so... Uh, we're working these things out. Yeah, this is all new. <laughs> but uh, anyway, but uh, what else did you want to talk about? That must mean you're finished because you... <laughs> well, I mean, I think we covered pretty I much think what we, we want to talk it. about. Yeah. So, so the point is, we want to teach you how to do this so that you can have an amazing flowing life and yeah. happiness. Yeah, absolutely. So our website, you go ahead and say Well, you've heard happiness is an inside job. Well, it is. Uh, and it, it, it's really true. I've had people tell me, why don't you just be happy? And I'm looking at them like, are you nuts? I mean, you think happy is just a switch that goes on and off? Well, then I hear later on that those same people who told me, well, why don't you just be happy, aren't happy either. And so uh, I get it. But if they think happy is just being oblivious to what's going on in your life, that's not happiness to me. Happiness is freedom. Happiness is freedom from all the stuff that weighed you down and was drowning you. For the past 50 years, 40 years, 30 years, 20 years, whatever, you know, happiness is being free of the, ch of the chains that bind you. And uh, here's an interesting little story. Uh, you know, Michelle was talking about uh, how people on the other side take with them their beliefs and their, and their subconscious minds and all of that. <clears throat> For those of you who know what this Christmas story is, Charles Dickens' Christmas story, about uh, Ebenezer Scrooge and Jacob Marley, his partner in the banking business. <clears throat> Scrooge, at the beginning of the novel, <clears throat> uh, Ebenezer Scrooge is sitting alone in his home. It's dark. He has a fire burning and, and one candle. That's it because he's too he's too uh, stingy, stingy, Scroogey, <clears throat> to to spend anything else on himself. And so again, it's Christmas Eve, and. He doesn't care for Christmas because he feels like it's a waste of time and money. Most of you know this. So, as he's bah humbugging Christmas, his partner who died the previous year, some years back, appears to him. And his partner's name is Jacob Marley. Well, his partner appears in rags and a headscarf and chains. He's covered in chains. And Ebenezer Scrooge goes, well... Why do you have, Jacob, why do you have the chains? And uh, Jacob Marley says, because of the things that I did in life. And you have to understand that deeds come from beliefs. We talked about that in this, in this uh, video. So what Jacob Marley was really saying is, he carried his beliefs that caused his deeds in life to the afterlife. And all those chains were the result of carrying those beliefs. So when I say I'm free, that's what I'm saying. I have, I have broken the chains that have kept me tied to the things that weighed me down. All the beliefs, the traumas, the I have worked through it. Have I gotten everything? No, because I'm human and it takes lifetimes to do this. Because we are eternal souls. But this is the life you want. You would like to be happy most of the time and free most of the time. Sure, we're going to be sad. Sure, people die. We're going to grieve for that because that's normal. You know? But uh, but some of these channels but, allow for healing of grief. Yep, and, and I, she knows. 
and I hope you'll look into that mm -hmm. on our, in some of the other videos and on the website. So, well, excuse me. Um, so the website, go to www.twelfthlightuniversity.com, and 12th is not spelled out, it's 12th, lightuniversity.com. Uh, we have links to uh, all of our uh, social media presences, YouTube, Facebook, we're on Twitter. No. Or, I mean, Instagram? Yes. Instagram? Okay. Yes. So, Instagram, uh, Facebook, uh, YouTube. <clears throat> and all these videos go on there. We also have uh, a page full of our blog posts that we do. In fact, I've done one a week or two weeks ago uh, all about the lantern. And read that because that is the first thing that you need to get started on this life. It's called the lantern, but read the blog post. It's not that long. Uh, and it's fascinating because we all have to develop the use of this lantern to get anywhere in knowing who we are and connecting with ourselves, with our inner selves. <clears throat> and Michelle has written numerous blog posts about her experiences with people on the other side. Um, uh, even my dad on the other side, even before he, he, even before he passed away earlier in the year. So uh, we've got that. Definitely go to the store because we offer personal readings, whether basic or in-depth. Uh, we also have, uh, I don't even know what it's called, but uh, it's the it's the real healing path. The if you're serious about it. membership. Okay, there we go. If you're, really, if you're really serious about getting started on healing and you really want to jump in with both feet, uh, <clears throat> the 12th Act University membership, uh, eight readings a month, and... Uh, eight calls. Eight, eight uh, consultation calls a month. Uh, look at that. Uh, we do pet readings. She does pet readings and clearings. Uh, energetic she can, clearing. Mm -hmm, energetic clearing. She can do that for people as well. Just look at that page of stuff because you will find something on there and you'll go, oh, and you'll want to do it. And if you want to know about more about healing autism, there's also a page. We have a page that. on that as well because I found out that, uh, you know, what's funny. To start healing, I had to go inside first. She had to do the same thing. To start healing, we had to go inside first. Then all of a sudden, we got to a point to where we couldn't go anymore until we healed our physical selves. So we had to do that. And so as we've healed our physical selves, then there's more of the inner self that had to be healed. And so you continue right back on that path. It's been fascinating because you start by going inside. Again, it's an inside job. You go inside, you get... You get so far, and then you have to heal the outside. Then you go so far, and you have to go back inside. It's a journey. And uh, it's a journey, but it's incredibly interesting because once you, once you get to a certain point, you'll be like, oh, I love this life. And I can say I do. Finding the authentics, Michelle, has been really awesome. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I like it a lot. <laughs> so anyway, guys, we'll see you next time, and uh, whenever next time is. Talk to you later. Bye.